Transmitting from the lovely little city of Taylor, Texas, you are listening to Plow and Hose, a show dedicated to the joys and challenges of organic backyard gardening in Central Texas. I am your host, Julie Rydell. Welcome to the show. Hi there, plant people, all my gardening friends. Thank you for joining me again today. Turns out that uh, May was an extremely busy, busy month for me, and I ended up unintentionally skipping a couple of weeks for the podcast, but that's fine because it, it was wonderful because it was just lots and lots of celebrations. So many things that we celebrated at work. We had nurses week followed by healthcare week, then first responders week, just one right after another. And that was a really good time because we got to, you know, celebrate my coworkers and the people that we interact with on a daily basis. And that was wonderful. Also here at home, we celebrated the end of the school year and our old, our second oldest um, daughter graduated from high school. Plus, I, at the end of the month, I had a milestone birthday, pretty big one. So I decided to throw myself a big tacky birthday party and invited all my friends and we just had a wonderful time. I, I loved it. It was also a very busy time in my garden too. And mother nature made sure that May was a little bit crazy too. We had some unusually hot days and some unusually cool days a few crazy storms in there that brought us a little bit of rain and also our full moon coincided with a lunar eclipse and we got a blood moon and it was just kind of wild i thought that was it was all really cool i i, I really liked having those insanely pleasant cool days um they were very noticeable uh but awesome um a little weird too i almost felt like i had gone somewhere on vacation with that had a different climate and anyway just like a vacation they those days ended too soon and they're just really nice memories right now as we are ramping up and rolling in to hot days of summer. I've had um, quite a few changes in my garden. Um, I added um, a couple of new beds and refreshed some beds. Everything is doing really good. I every I, I've got so much growing right now thanks to the recent rains it's just kind of 
going crazy out there and I'm so happy about it. My tomatoes have lots of fruit on them. They, the plants look really full and green and kind of lush right now. I had tons of onions growing and I pulled them all up and I currently have onions all over my patio. I mean, seriously, they are everywhere on my patio and they're out there curing. I planted red and sweet onions um, this year and as I pulled them up, they're just different various sizes, but it, it really doesn't matter the size or the color of the variety. All onions need to dry out a little bit before you bring them inside. This allows them to kind of get that papery shell around them and this protects them and allows you to store them inside and use them throughout the summer. I'm also overflowing with cucumbers right now. I have cucumbers everywhere. I am practically swimming in cucumbers because there are so many and it's almost hard to keep up with, but I love it. It's one of the few vegetables that every single person in my household willingly eats and nobody complains or fusses about eating cucumbers. So that's great. At least they're not complaining right now. Um, they probably will be, um, they're probably going to get sick of eating cucumbers cause I'm going to start making them eat them twice a day just to help me get rid of some of these cucumbers. Uh, it happens every Every year, if we have a good crop of cucumbers, they, we do kind of get tired of cucumbers. But it's a good problem, though. It's so much better to be overwhelmed with cucumbers than to be disappointed with not having any cucumbers. And I've had a few summers with very few cu cucumbers, and it was a little bit sad. But with so many cucumbers right now, it also means I get to be a cucumber fairy. So if you are lucky, cucumbers will magically appear on your doorstep. <laughs> I've got lots of stuff growing and ready to harvest. Um, I've also got shishito peppers and jalapenos. They are just exploding with fruit. They are really loving um, the heat right now, and I've harvested a lot already, and I'm looking forward to a long, hot summer of picking peppers. A couple of weeks ago, I dug up my potatoes. They were just done. Potatoes don't care for the heat. Potato plants are great because they tell you when they're ready to be dug up, they bloom and then they collapse. They just like faint over or something. Once the stems on the potatoes collapse, it's a sign that they're ready to be dug up. So that's what I did. And I collected oh, about six pounds of new little potatoes. I had planted oh, uh, probably about a pound of um, sprouted potatoes back in late February. Um, actually, it might have been early March. I was late getting them uh, planted this year. So I know I was behind. I don't remember exactly when it was, but it doesn't matter because I think six pounds 
of potatoes is a really decent yield. I know normally a pound of seed potatoes produces 10 pounds of potatoes usually, but honestly, I don't care. I'm really pleased because those fresh new potatoes are really the best. Since I pulled out the onions and the potatoes, I've got room for more veggies, so I've got to make some decisions on what I want to put in. Unfortunately, the planting window has closed for many of our summer favorites, but we can plant these heat-loving plants in our gardens now. Southern peas, sweet potato slips, okra, cantaloupe, warm season greens, pumpkins, and winter squash. Now, if you want winter squash, this is the very last chance, you know, really this week, pushing into next week. Get them planted if you want winter squash. So according to the calendar, it is still technically spring, but here in Taylor and Central Texas, it feels like summer. And the next few months are going to be measured in high temperatures. And probably we're going to start counting the days with extended periods without rain. So to protect your plants from the worst of the heat, the best thing for, that you can do is check on your plants daily. Visiting your garden regularly, daily, or multiple times during the day, this is going to help you identify and correct any issues with insects, watering, or heat-related stresses. Our potted plants need a lot of water. They're going to need to be watered nearly every day as we progress through June. Raised beds and in-ground gardens, um, they appreciate longer 20 to 30 minute soaks like once a week. Frequent shallow watering is only going to be able to hydrate the surface, but if you practice extended soaking, this is going to allow the water to seep in and reach those deeper roots. And when you can wet those deep roots, it's gonna help support lots of healthy growth. A healthy root system is absolutely critical for keeping the top parts of your plants alive. When plants are stressed from disease or damage, a healthy plant is much more likely to recover. Now, Mother Nature is going to be ratcheting up this heat, and I'm t and I really encourage you to put some mulch out if you haven't already, because it's going to be a lifesaver for your garden. Mulch keeps the soil moist and cool, and it protects the roots. Just two or three inches of mulch is going to help reduce evaporation, and it's really going to insulate insulate those roots. Mulch also helps keep weeds down. Weeds compete with your plants for water and, and nutrients. So if you don't want to have to water those weeds, mulch is going to help suppress them. Um, this is something that I don't really see a lot, but just because you don't see it doesn't mean you can't do it. Um, Potted plants also benefit from a nice insulating layer of mulch. 
container grown plants, it's a little harder to because there's not as much space, but you know, just put a handful of mulch in there. That's going to help protect the soil. It's going to help retain moisture and keep those roots cool. Normally, plants get all the nutrients that they need from the soil. Most of the year, a garden that has been enriched with fresh compost every se- at the beginning of each season, it can, you know, suffice. That will suffice. You will be able to, um, you won't have to like add a whole bunch of extra fertilizer, but with the higher temperatures throughout the summer, plants typically need extra nutrients to sustain growth and remain productive. And summer crops tend to be the heaviest feeders and need extra fertilizer and they need it more often through the growing season. When it comes to fertilizer, selection is overwhelming. There are solid and liquid fertilizers. They come powdered or granular. They come ready to use or they're concentrated. And then for all of these different kinds, they also come in natural and synthetic formulas. Natural sources can be plant-based like seaweed or cotton meal. They can be animal byproducts and made up from manure or fish emulsion, blood, bones, and even feathers. But natural or synthetic, all fertilizers do the same. They provide extra nutrients. When considering a new fertilizer, just look at the label. All of them are going to list three numbers in bold on the packaging. These are the NPK numbers, and they represent the ratio of essential plant nutrients in the product. N is for nitrogen, P stands for phosphorus, and K represents potassium. Those are the abbreviations from the periodic table of elements, so NPK, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. All plants benefit from a wide variety of minerals and trace elements, but all plants absolutely need NPK. Nitrogen is the leaf maker, phosphorus is the root maker, and potassium is the flower and fruit maker. Now, if everything is going well in your garden, just keep it simple. Choose a well-balanced product that has similar NPK numbers like I don't know, 555 or 322. Now, as you're looking at packages and stuff, um, the synthetic brands really do tend to have higher concentrations, and so they'll have a higher NPK numbers than the natural products. Synthetics are quick acting. They are intense. They give a boost to your plants. They plants really do respond quickly to those high doses of synthetic fertilizer and you'll see results pretty quickly. You'll, once you see how fast they work, it's going to be tempting to apply even more because it works so well, but 
Eventually, you're going to have problems with synthetic products, especially if you use them way too often. And that's because plants will only use what they need. They are little sponges. They soak up the exact amount of nutrients they need and leave the rest. Anything they don't use will stay in the soil or it will drain off. Excess fertilizer that drains away, I mean, that's just wasteful. And it also contributes to groundwater pollution. When they don't drain away and they stay in the soil, they build up and that build up can be really bad for your plants. It can burn them and it can screw up your soil. (laughs) Fertilizing to me is similar to cooking with seasonings. You know, start out with just a small amount and if it's not enough, you don't see the results, you can always add more. But too much at once, it's gonna overpower and then that's when it gets difficult to correct. When plants are over fertilized, they're gonna let you know. The leaves will start to turn yellow and discolor, and the edges of the leaves will also turn brown and get crispy. They sort of look like they, you know, they got too close to a flame and they started to curl up and get toasty looking. Over fertilized plants will start stop growing, and then those damaged leaves will stop. Um, will start to drop off. If you ever accidentally over fertilize and you're concerned about fertilizer burn, the best thing that you can do for your plant is to give it lots of water. Not like a crazy amount of water where you drown your plant and, you know, cause root rot or anything. Just a little bit extra. You know, let it drain and then dry out a little bit. The water is going to help the excess fertilizer drain away. I know we said that we didn't want that to happen, but if you're gonna save your plant or you want your plant to be healthy, then you can water um, some more to dilute the fertilizer and help it drain away. In a way, it's kind of like um, if you drink too much alcohol, drinking lots of water helps your body process the excess and get it out of your system. So. It's kind of a weird comparison, but I don't know. Maybe it's not too much of a stretch. Anyway, water, water, water. Extra water will help dilute excess fertilizer and help prevent fertilizer burn. Too much fertilizer is bad. Not only is it wasteful and they build up in your soil, excess fertilizer also jacks up your soil biology. So my personal preference is to use natural fertilizers that are less harsh. You know, if you have identified a nutrient-related issue, for sure, you know, use a product that has a little more of the missing ingredient. Since it's getting hot and we are watering more, um, you you are going to want to find something um, to give your plants some extra nutrition. So consider maybe two products, a liquid and a solid, and then alternate every other time you fertilize. You are listening to Plow and Hose on KBSR Black Sparrow Radio. If you are enjoying my show, I hope you'll go over to www.blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and check out the station and learn all about the great shows and music coming out of our little station broadcasting from Taylor, Texas. 
While you're out on the internet, be sure to stop by the Plowhouse Facebook page and like and share it with your gardening friends. Also, head over to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to the Plowhouse podcast. If you like the flexibility of being able to play pause and rewind my show whenever you want, download some episodes and be sure to leave a review. It's super quick. Just click on those stars. You might even be able to leave a sentence or two. I would really, really appreciate that. It helps people find Plow and Hose, and it lets them know that it's a pretty good show. Supplemental fertilizers are great. They help us care for our plants, especially when they need extra nutrients. Um, you know, like when they're producing fruits and flowers, or it's during a time of really active growth. For best results though, it's really important to take some time to learn about the fertilizers you want to use and figure out what your plants actually need. Your plants will tell you what they need for the most part, but you have to pay attention and visit your plants regularly so that you can notice any changes and you'll have the opportunity to correct issues before it's too late. It's not always easy to figure out what's going on, but it's not really that hard either. And it's really not like getting a puppy or having a baby. So if your plants die, it's okay. It's fine. It happens. It doesn't mean that you're a bad gardener and you have a black thumb and you should give up. I do understand that, you know, that's it. That it is discouraging. Um, to kill plants. It's not personal, but it just takes a little time to, um, figure out what's going on. It's a good sign that you need to do things a little differently. If you have a plant die, nature gives us all kinds of clues all the time on what is needed for your plants. We just have to be watching for them and figuring out what's wrong. And then, and then of course, taking action, Sometimes it's too late, but you'll remember next time and you'll become a better gardener. You don't have to be a soil scientist or have a degree in horticulture to be successful. That's really good for me because I don't have any sort of science background. I've had a lot of dumb luck and happy accidents growing things, but I definitely have had just as many failures, but if you like plants and you want to have a productive organic garden, keep at it, keep learning and don't stop paying attention to what's going on in your yard. Organic backyard gardening can be challenging and frustrating, but if you stick with it, it's really satisfying and rewarding. It takes a bit of commitment to nurture plants to keep them healthy and productive. That's cool vegetables and annual flowers. It's, you know, it's a short commitment. It's one growing season. Perennials, shrubs, and trees, those are a longer term commitment, but you know, they don't really need much once they get established. So just take some time to learn about your plants and learn about fertilizers so that you can, you can match them up and take care of your plants the best you can. If you have happy, healthy plants, you don't need much. 
And that's really why I like simple organic formulas with that low nutrient ratio, low NPK. If you want to pick a product, um, no, you want to pick a product that is appropriate for the plant um, or any issue that you are having. If you're trying to grow leaves or support leaf and stem development, then a bit more nitrogen in a product is what you want. Plants that are grown strictly for their leaves require more nitrogen. So look for a product that is slightly higher in nitrogen. If you apply a product with too much nitrogen to a plant that is grown for flowers or fruits, you will get really green, large, leafy plants that are completely healthy, but you're going to have fewer flowers. And depending on the imbalance, you might not get any flowers. Another example um, is phosphorus. Um, That's the root maker. And if that gets out of balance and there's too much phosphorus, it can actually block other essential nutrients from being available to the plant. The plant won't be able to take them up and use them. When this happens and there's too much phosphorus, it tends to block iron. So your plant can't take up the iron. Iron is really, really important for chlorophyll production. Chlorophyll is what plants use to make their own food and create oxygen. So that's another example of a nutrient imbalance. Speaking of nutrient issues, blossom end rot is something that you might encounter with your tomato plants. It's pretty common. Blossom end rot is caused by a lack of calcium in tomato plants. When calcium levels are too low, the bottom side of tomato fruits will start to discolor, shrink, shrivel, and the tissue will start to break down and rot. And you'll know it when you have it because you'll have a big black spot on the bottom of your tomato. The problem with blossom end rot is caused by the plant's ability to take up calcium from the soil. It's not because there isn't calcium in the soil, it's because it can't take it up. And this is almost always caused by erratic watering and drought conditions. It happens to eggplants and peppers and also cucumbers but mm, you see it more often in tomatoes. Now, if you experience blossom and rot, it may be tempting to add fertilizer to give them extra nutrients, but that's not gonna solve the problem because the issue is with the ability to take up the calcium. It's ugly, but it's treatable, and you need to improve how you water by providing water consistently so that you maintain soil moisture. Some plants like to dry out in between waterings like lavender and rosemary, but tomatoes like their soil to be moist. And that is what helps your tomatoes take in calcium. They make products to address um, blossom end rot and um, 
that do contain calcium, you can try adding a supplement specifically for blossom and rot, but they really only work if you have a true calcium deficiency. And the only way that you would know that is by having, sending off a sample for soil testing and they, the extension office will do the analysis on that and they'll let you know, um, what deficiencies you have in your soil. But the good news with blossom end rot is that you can absolutely eat tomatoes with blossom end rot. Just slice off the ugly part and enjoy the rest of the tomato. It's not going to hurt you or make you sick. And honestly, you're probably going to cut it up anyway. So don't waste it. Just slice it off and enjoy your tomato. I've started seeing a lot more insects hanging around the garden with these sunnier days and warmer temperatures and of course lots and lots of growth and flowers in the garden of course we're going to see a lot more critters with so many plants in bloom right now insects are very active garden friendly pollinators like bees and butterflies of course are always welcome but there will be a few undesirable insects coming to visit your plants. It's just the way things go. Get the good with the bad, right? If you have an, an organic vegetable garden, chances are you are attracting leaf beetles. The most common leaf beetles that we have in Texas are cucumber beetles, tomato beetles, and potato beetles. They are all related and they belong to the same family. Even though they look different, they're, they're all leaf beetles. Cucumber beetles are yellow with round black dots. They are more oval and tapered than like a regular ladybug. They're a little elongated, but they, um, they also have a distinct head. It's a cute little bug, but don't be fooled leaf beetles hide on the backsides of leaves and that's where they spend time chewing holes in your leaves. Here in Taylor and Central Texas, we also have um, a striped cucumber beetle that looks very similar um, to the its cousin, the spotted one. Um, has like the same size and body shape and yellow and black and it also has destructive habits, just like their spotted cousins. Leaf beetles eat a variety of plants. They'll eat beans, corn, eggplants, melons, peas, potatoes, squash, tomatoes, but they are especially attracted to cucumbers and cantaloupes. So be sure to monitor your cucumbers and cantaloupes for leaf beetles. Leaf beetles lay their eggs in the soil at the base of the plants. When the larvae hatch, they will bore into the roots and start eating. Leaf beetles can lay more than a thousand eggs. So you can have an infestation and infestations can be very damaging to plants. Root damage will stunt growth and produce weak plants. Full-grown leaf beetles will chew ragged holes into the leaves and the flowers, and that's going to mess up 
um, and prevent fruits from forming. Younger plants are actually more affected by leaf beetles than the older plants. Older plants can tolerate a little more damage and they can actually lose 25% of their leaves and still be productive plants. Another kind of really bad thing about leaf beetles is that they also transmit disease. Bacterial wilt is a vascular disease that causes plants to wither, shrivel, and eventually die. Beetles spread bacteria wilt by eating from infected plants and then chomping on healthy plants with their grubby, dirty, diseased mouth parts as they nibble on your plants. Once plants get infected, the bacteria grows inside. As the bacteria reproduces and replicates, it starts to clog the vascular system of the plant. The disease impedes the flow of water and it causes infected plants to dry out from the inside. Once a plant starts to wither, there isn't a really great way to control it. So your best bet is just to remove the infected plants. If you catch it early, you might be able to cut off the infected parts and save the plants, but since it affects the vascular system, chances are it's already spread within the plant. If you have bacterial wilt, best thing you can do is remove the plant. This is gonna help prevent further um, spread of bacterial wilt when those um, leaf beetles start eating on your plants. Controlling leaf beetle is challenging. Um, both conventional and organic pesticides aren't particularly effective for leaf beetle. Conventional agri agricultural pesticides can and do more harm than good because they also kill beneficial insects and beetles like ladybugs. Removing and killing leaf beetles by hand is much more effective and it's free. Sticky traps are another option um, and they're appropriate for organic gardening. Insects are drawn to those um, yellow traps and they become stuck to the adhesive when they land on them. They're good for trapping destructive insects, but they do attract and trap other small pollinators like bees, flies, moths, and butterflies. So I'm not a big fan of them um, since you know you can end up catching the good bugs. Another thing you can do is dust the base of your plants with diatomaceous earth. And this can help prevent leaf beetle eggs and larvae from developing. Okay, friends, I'm going to finish up this show now. Thank you for joining me today. Now it's supposed to be really hot this coming week. So please keep an eye on your plants and your pets and your people. Make sure everybody has plenty of water and sunscreen if they're gonna be outside. And check on your neighbors, especially the older folks. They check on check on your people too. It can be brutally hot for, for people. Okay, well y'all have a great week and I look so forward to visiting with you guys again. <laughs> 
production assistance provided by KBSR, Black Sparrow Radio. Original music created by Alex Cuervo. Discover more of his music at alexcuervo.tv. If you love plants and gardening in Central Texas, be sure to click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and never miss seasonal information on Plow and Hose. Plow and Hose is written and recorded at my home in Taylor, Texas.